the gifts of Christmas. And this first uh, week of Advent is the week that we look at the uh, theme of hope. Hope. And you'll see many of the songs that the worship team chose uh, had the word hope in it. Uh, hope. Uh, what do we mean by hope? Uh, where do we find hope? How do we deal with hope? Why is hope an important thing? Let me start with some place that you wouldn't expect me to, perhaps. I wonder if any of you ever feel like Charlie Brown. I mean, I particularly feel that way coming back from Nepal and walking into a store. And in the midst of all these Christmas decorations that have been up since, what, thanks, uh, uh, Halloween? They've been up. Um, Christmas songs playing and stuck in your head already. The lights and the shopping and the cookies and the parties that are getting planned. Do you ever just want to stand up and shout in exasperation like Charlie Brown, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? That's a great question, isn't it? Now, I'm sure you've seen this classic TV uh, presentation uh, that comes on every, every year around Christmas time. I think it was on last Wednesday night, and I missed it. I've got it on DVD, so I watch it a dozen times anyway, but... It's called a Charlie Brown Christmas. It's been airing since 1965. Some of you weren't even alive in 1965. Some of you were already old in 1965. But that's a pretty good run, isn't it, from 1965 to the present day, every year, year after year after year, sometimes a couple of times during the Christmas season, especially for a cartoon, especially for a cartoon that was produced on a low budget and what was basically a last-minute production schedule for animation. I don't know whether you knew that part or not. It all came about when Coca-Cola, the executives from Coca-Cola, were looking for a Christmas special to sponsor with their holiday marketing money. And the cartoon Peanuts was wildly popular at that time, so they asked for a meeting and ideas from um, the, the uh, producers of the Charlie Brown series. And Peanuts creator Charles Schultz and the producers threw together an outline in one day. One day. And the Coke execs went for it. They loved it. And Schultz has had some unorthodox ideas, like a jazz soundtrack. Nobody had ever done that before, not to a Christmas uh, uh, special. And no laugh track at all. What, the laugh tracks were the thing in TV at that time. You listened to I Love Lucy or, or, or you know, some of the shows that were in, in that same... Uh, era from the 50s through the 60s, and there's always laugh tracks. They didn't do them before live audiences. They were, they were done in a studio, and then laugh tracks were laid on top of it. Um, most of all, Charles Schultz was adamant that the true Christmas story be presented, complete with a scene read straight from the Bible. And the TV producers were worried that that it would be way too controversial to do this, 
to read the Bible on national television. But Schultz insisted that they do it. Controversial or not, you could say that the show has been a raving success since that. And you've probably seen it a time or two, I would imagine. If so, you know that Charlie Brown is surrounded, surrounded by all the trappings of Christmas. All the gifts and the decorations and the songs and the snow and just everything we think of with Christmas. But in some way they had come up empty with making him feel Christmas in his heart. And when he wonders out loud what Christmas is really about, his best friend Linus sets him straight with a clear answer straight from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. Linus recites this passage right here. Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. In those words from Luke chapter 2, Charlie Brown finds hope. He finds hope. It's where the whole Christmas experience turns for him. And good old Chuck realizes the true meaning of Christmas. He goes from depressed by the season to inspired by the season. He goes from an inward focus of questioning to an outward focus of sharing the season with everyone around him. Today, I invite you to hear the same words of hope as we enter into this season of Advent in expectation for Christmas itself. Over the next four weeks, we're going to unwrap these gifts of Christmas one by one each week as we journey through the Advent season. It's our chance to listen to the stories, to remember the true meaning of what Christmas is, to wait in expectation for the coming of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And the point is 
not to get rid of the trappings and the traditions and the celebrations all around us. That's not what I'm telling you to do. But to take a purposeful journey through them to more deeply experience the gifts of Christmas. Hope. Love. Joy. Peace. So what exactly is Advent? For some of you, this concept may be new. You may have never heard of Advent before. You may have never celebrated Advent in a, in a church before. You may only know Advent from a calendar with little windows that open up, revealing a gift or a treat for each day of the month leading up to Christmas. But Advent is a lot more than that. The word Advent, you see, means coming. It means coming. And the season is marked by expectation, by waiting, by anticipation, and by longing. Advent is not an extension of Christmas. It is a season that links the past and the present and the future. Advent offers to us the opportunity to share in the ancient longing of coming of the Messiah. The coming of the Messiah. To celebrate his birth. And to be alert now for his second coming. Advent looks back at Christ's coming in celebration. While at the same time, Advent looks forward in eager anticipation... To the coming of Christ's kingdom when he returns for all of his people. We, we don't have time to go into it right now. But you hear us in this church many times talk about already, not yet. Already. The kingdom has already come, but it's not yet complete. This is that in-between period that we live in where we're waiting on the second coming of Jesus. Hope fulfilled in Jesus. And hope still to be completed in that second coming of Jesus. During Advent, we wait for both active waiting and assured waiting. As part of the church calendar, many denominations um, have different ways, many different ways of celebrating Advent. While the core of the core meaning of Advent is the same in, in all of them, I guess. Some of the traditions and the practices vary from church to church and, and from denomination to denomination. But let's say, for example, you're in a, uh, a Lutheran church. Well, every Lutheran church doesn't celebrate Advent exactly the same way. You won't find Advent mentioned in, in, in the Bible. It's, it's a traditional thing that, that is... Uh, that takes place in the church. One of the common traditions of Advent is the lighting of candles on an Advent wreath. That's what we have down here. A circular evergreen wreath represents God's unending love for us, for me and for you. God's unending love. And the lighting of five candles throughout the season, one for each of the four Sundays before Christmas and one on Christmas Eve, 
represents Jesus' coming to a world that is lost in darkness. Today, Suzanne Shotwell is going to uh, lead us in the liturgy for the lighting of, of the first Advent candle. Um, Suzanne, right here. Advent is the traditional season when we get ready for the coming of Jesus. It's a time for preparing for Christmas when Jesus first came to the world as a baby. And it's also a time to remind us of the second coming of Jesus when he will come again as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We don't know when it will be, but the Bible says, be prepared before, because it can happen at any time. That's why Advent is marked by the spirit of preparation and of longing for Jesus to return and rule the world with truth and grace. The Advent wreath with its five candles is a traditional way to mark our progress towards Christmas and our preparation for Jesus' return. It begins four Sundays before Christmas and ends on Christmas Eve with the lighting of the white Christmas candle. Today, we light the purple candle, which reminds us of the hope we have in Jesus, who was called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Listen to what the Bible says about the birth of Jesus. Isaiah 7:14. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel. God fulfilled that promise in the New Testament. Matthew 1:18:23. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. After this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Today, we light the first candle. Oh, maybe. Here. <laughs> we'll do it together. How okay. about that? We light the first candle, the candle of hope in God. Maybe. <laughs> there we go. 
Thank you. Let's pray, please. Heavenly Father, as we experience the unfolding of the Advent season, the story of Emmanuel, God with us, prepare our hearts to receive all that you reveal to us. Thank you for the hope we have in your promise to be with us, no matter what our personal circumstances are. Thank you for the hope we have in your promise to save us from our sins, no matter what we've done in the past. And thank you for the hope we have in Jesus' promise to never leave us or forsake us. Come Holy Spirit, fill us from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet. We give you thanks today in the name of Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. As the prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 9-2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. As we celebrate with our own Advent wreath this season, we'll light an additional candle each week. Each flame that we light will bring us closer and closer to the coming of the true light of the world, born in Bethlehem. In a season often marked by frenzied busyness, Advent is an opportunity to set aside time to prepare our hearts and to help us place our focus on a far greater story than our own. The story of God's redeeming love for our world. It's not a season of pretending or covering up. It's a season of digging deep into the reality of what it really means when we say that God sent his son into the world. Profound words. God sent his son into the world. It's a season of expectation and preparation, an opportunity to align ourselves with God's presence more than just aligning ourselves with the hectic season of presence. So wherever you are in your own spiritual journey this morning, I invite you into this season. It's a time that allows for questions. It's a time that allows for doubts. It's a time that allows for struggles as, as together we take time to prepare our hearts for Christ's second coming. Advent is not a celebration that God comes to fix things from broken computers to broken families to broken and hurting lives. Rather simply, Advent is a celebration that God comes. And I tell you, I've... I've uh, celebrated, I guess, Advent for over 60 years. And this is the first time this really hit me this, this year as I was preparing this in, in Nepal. Advent is not a celebration that God comes to fix things. Advent's a celebration that God comes. That He comes to our world. 
in the form of a baby. God with us. In the darkness, in the pain, in the chaos, he comes. And he makes a way where, where there seems to be no way. I'm calling this uh, 2017 Advent message series, The Gifts of Christmas. And as we unwrap each gift of Christmas over the next few weeks, my desire is that we discover together that we can trust in Emmanuel, God with us. We can trust in him. He is bigger than our greatest expectations. He's bigger than our deepest pains. His light shines in the darkness and beckons us to draw near to him. And as we do, we discover and realize the gifts he brings. But even more so, more importantly, we discover him personally. This first Sunday of Advent, we focus on the gift of hope. So let's start by looking at what we mean by hope. What are some statements that you typically hear people make that involve hope? Think about them. I hope that it doesn't rain. I hope I get that job. I hope the world will be at peace. I hope he gets to feeling better. I hope she shows up on time. I hope, and you fill in whatever blank you want to fill in there. I hope, I hope, I hope. Do you notice the theme? Worldly hope is characterized by doubt. It's characterized by uncertainty and a lack of control over any of the circumstances. We hope for things that may or may not happen. That's worldly hope. But in Jesus, hope is a guarantee. It's a sure thing. As Christ followers, our hope is actually a no-so hope rather than a maybe-so hope. So let's unwrap this gift of hope by looking at hope past, hope present, and hope future as we journey toward Christmas. So first of all, hope past. What's the, what's the longest that you can remember that you waited for something? What's the longest that you've waited for something? Is there anything that you've been waiting for for your entire life? The people of Israel knew all about waiting. Their entire history was marked by waiting as they looked forward to the coming of Messiah who would set them free from bondage. The Old Testament's full of prophecies about this Messiah. Isaiah 7:14, one that um, Suzanne read just now, says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him 
Emmanuel, God with us. <clears throat> and another well-known prophecy also comes from Isaiah, and it promises this in Isaiah 9, 6. For to you a child is, to, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. These and other prophecies gave a clear expectation of God's promised Messiah to the, uh, to the Israelites, to the Jewish people, for hundreds of years before the coming of Messiah. The, t- the promise, though, <clears throat> any promise doesn't always make the waiting easy, does it? I think sometimes the promise of something makes the waiting even harder. As we prepare for Jesus' coming this Christmas, we share in the waiting That same waiting of the people of Israel. Like them, most of us have situations and circumstances in our own lives that make it difficult for us to wait on God. So what are some of these situations, some of these circumstances? And like them, we still... We still wait for the complete fulfillment of God's salvation for the world. It will come. It's promised. When he comes the second time, it will be fulfilled. But we're waiting and waiting and waiting. Many prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus' coming, but others are yet to be completed when he comes again. So what can purposeful waiting this Advent season do for you? What can purposeful waiting this Advent season do for me? Let's look at uh, uh, hope uh, hope past. And when we do so, we, we gain confidence and we renew our faith in God's promises to us. Let us not forget those promises that God has made to us. Each one has been fulfilled faithfully. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is a confidence in what we have hoped for, and assurance about what we do not see. We can find confidence in the fulfillment of Christ's arrival. And in all he has done for your life over time. Think back. Maybe a good exercise for you to do during this Advent season is to make a list of the, of the places that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has impacted your life. Maybe you've come to a decision, a, a fork in the road, if you will, and you've taken this fork. And as you look back, you see that wasn't so much your decision as it was God's decision in your life. He sent you on a different path than where you thought you would go, where you thought you would end up. He's got a different plan for you. But we can also find assurance that there's much more to come 
that God will complete his good work in you and in me. And that he will fulfill his promises to make things new and complete in the end when he comes that second time. Let this season of journey uh, be a journey of building confident hope as you wait and I wait for his coming. I'm going to wait for a, a drink of water here in a minute. Secondly, let's look at hope present. Hope present. In the first chapter of Luke, we see Jesus' birth foretold again. But unlike the Old Testament prophecies, this is a much more personal and intimate foretelling. You see, the angel Gabriel appears to Mary and tells her about the coming of Jesus. We pick this up in Luke 1, verse 26, and it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. You can see it's a much more personal and intimate encounter with with the angel. In the midst of life's questions, do you ever find yourself wishing that Gabriel would just show up and let you know what to expect? Wouldn't that be nice? Here's what you can expect. Over the next two weeks, over the next six months, over the next five years, here's what you can expect. I mean, wouldn't it be easier to know? Well, maybe. And maybe not. In Mary's case... Perhaps it would have been easier not to know. 
What do you do with information like this? That you're going to be the mother of Messiah. The long-awaited Messiah. The hope, the promise of the Jewish people. Mary was given a direct message from the angel Gabriel. But even then, maybe especially then, it took faith to place her trust and her hope in God. Thankfully, Mary responded in faith and held fast to the hope of the promise of Emmanuel, God with us. Today, as we begin Advent, we know and hold fast to that very hope. Jesus has come and made a way for us to be one with God throughout the, through the forgiveness of our sins. His coming, Jesus' coming, Messiah's coming, Emmanuel's coming, changes everything. Everything changes with that. As you sit here today, the present hope you hold on to may not seem to be changing things around you. Your heart and your mind may be flooded with the concerns and the stresses and the hardships that you face today, tomorrow, in the days to come. Any signs of change in your circumstances seem slim to none. But that doesn't mean change isn't happening. It doesn't mean God isn't working behind the scenes using other people or other situations. It doesn't mean he isn't working inside our hearts to teach and to shape and to mold us. Regardless of what the outward results look like at any given moment, we can find hope in the words of Hebrews 6.19, which says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Our present hope in Jesus doesn't, doesn't stop the storms of life. The storms still come. It doesn't change the immediate situations we face. But like an anchor that holds the ship steady against the wind and the waves, our hope holds us firm and secure in the midst of all of life's storms. Let this Advent season be one of secure hope in the midst of whatever storms you may be facing. And thirdly, hope future. Hope future. While our focus leading up to Christmas is naturally on the birth of Jesus and his coming into our world, Advent is also about the future. Advent is not just about preparing our hearts for Christmas, but also preparing our hearts for Christ to come again. And you may find that waiting patiently for the second coming of Jesus is even harder than waiting for Christmas when you're a child. We long for the time when all will be restored and all will be made new. 
We experience the pain and the suffering of today and wait in eager hope for the future. That's where our hope lies. That the baby who was born in the stable in Bethlehem will return again and complete the work of God in our world. And so we wait. And we wait. And we wait. Placing our hope in Him for the past, for the present, and for the future. The Apostle Paul explained it this way in Romans 8, 24. For in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. I think I can tell you from experience it's hard to be patient. Any of you find it hard to be patient? It's hard to wait. Are you that person that looks at the presents under the Christmas tree and your first chance you would start unwrapping them and wrapping them back so you know what's in each one? Some of you have done that. Yes. Naughty kids. Naughty kids. But I encourage you to unwrap the gift of hope today. No matter what the department stores try to tell you, Christmas has not yet come. This is Advent. A series of preparation. Excuse me, a season of preparation. A season of waiting. A season of expectation. And there's value as well as excitement in patient and expectant waiting. You ever thought of that? There's value. There's value in that waiting. There's excitement, yes, in waiting. But there's a value in it. (coughs) May this be the season of wonder as you discover the gifts Jesus offers to you this Christmas. The gifts of hope. And love and joy and peace. Romans fifteen thirteen says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. God, thank you. Thank you for this season of Advent. And we thank you that this season we can unwrap your gift of hope. Help us to remember our hope past. Those prophecies, those promises, those fulfillments that took place. Help us to hold tightly to hope in our present realities. And help us to wait with expectation for hope 
to be fulfilled when Christ comes once again. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.